It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Now, Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss. Throw to second base, strike him out, throw him out, double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. It is that time again. We welcome you in to Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Pauley. It's great to have you with us. And, Claves, it's great to be talking to you another week, another week closer to uh, pitchers and catchers reporting right around the corner. We are certainly getting close. I was by the ballpark earlier this morning, and there there are a few more trucks and cars over there now, which means you have some players that are starting to filter in and, and just get used to the environment. Uh, you know, the weather's been spectacular here, so they don't have an excuse on not to be outside. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Everything is getting closer, and uh, it won't be long before we have pitchers and catchers reporting. We'll play a week worth of catch, and then all of a sudden we'll be playing games. Take uh, fans through like the, the difference in how Jupiter feels right now compared to how it's going to feel, say, in two weeks. Well, it's it's a little bit more of a relaxed environment. Uh, it's not as crowded as far as players are concerned. A lot of guys are in the cage working on hitting. Uh, you have some other guys that are working out in the gym, you know, trying to do some things on that front. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you have guys doing depending on what their their uh, their discipline might be. You know, you have guys throwing on the side, just getting used to things. So, and then there's some coaches that are starting to filter in. Some trainers are here, and you know, it, it's just a little bit more of a relaxed environment compared to what it's going to be like in about a week or so. Yeah, we uh, we had Mike Gersh on last week, and he talked about when he was going to be getting down there. It's just, it's everybody kind of does things on their own, and some guys want to get there a little bit earlier. More veteran guys want to be there closer to uh, when things are starting. Obviously, from coaches and executives, it's just it's kind of a very organic thing, isn't it? As, yeah. as everybody slowly makes their way in. Yeah, you know, most guys will get in maybe two days before. Uh, you know, because you have to get your housing squared away, then you have your physical, and uh, then you'll have a team meeting, and then you'll go out on the field and, you know, work out for a bit, come on in and have some lunch and go home. It's – what do you think, um, from a young player perspective, does the organization kind of keep track of maybe those guys that are coming in and have the opportunities and when they're coming in and what kind of work they're doing and, and just what they're trying to do to put themselves in the best possible position? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, everybody does it differently. Uh, It's always wise to be seen, okay? Uh I mean, you know, guys who show up early, uh, you know, because the manager will get here a couple of days before, so whatever you've done before that, somebody would have to tell him about it. But he's been back and forth from here to Jupiter uh, a lot during the offseason, so he has a pretty good feel of of who's doing what and what they look like condition-wise. But I, I think if you're a young guy, uh, more is better as far as uh, getting in front of people so they can see what you're doing. 
I know there's a lot of people listening right now who are probably considering taking a trip at some point. We we talk about Cardinals vacations and things like that. What what would be your tip? I, I people always talk about going to the backfield and seeing some of the minor league guys. That doesn't exist until a little bit later in spring. But if people are going to watch spring training for the first time, other than actually going to games, what's your advice to those people? Well, I, I think you have to you have access to the backfields. And that's a good thing for a lot of people because you can see guys working out and things and seeing them in the batting cage. Uh, and they'll have some areas where you can stand and watch things. Uh, and that'll take place in the first few days. Uh, and then you'll go into a situation where, you know, pitchers will be just, you know, throwing. And then about a week later, then they'll be pitching the contact. And then uh, you'll have a B game or you'll have like a squad game and then you'll play your first game. So it's pretty well structured. So I think anytime you show up, you'll be able to get a glimpse uh, of players, uh, you know, when they're going through batting practice. And, and I would say to most people, I would wait until the whole squad's here because right now all you're going to see is guys just playing catch and, and running and, and doing drills and things of that nature. No real uh, hardcore baseball activity is what I would say. You've been involved in, in player representation over the course of your career. We're we're at a point right now where if you're a free agent, you almost have to make the decision between just finding an offer, maybe it's a minor league deal, versus waiting a little bit longer and seeing if maybe a team has an injury or something like that in spring training where you have more of an opportunity. How What, what are those conversations like right now between well, the handful of free agents that are still out there? Yeah, that's a great question because it changes, you know, day to day. Uh, I think the agent has to really kind of look at everybody's roster and see where they might be a little thin at or is there somebody within the organization they want to get a longer look at. And, and, you know, my belief is with this year and the uh, the WBC taking place, you know, some teams are going to look for guys. They'll bring in on a non-roster invitee contract uh, where they're not on the 40-man yet, but they can come in and, and work out and participate, and then they'll make a decision at the end. Now, you could play yourself onto a situation, or you could play yourself into a situation where they say, we like you, we don't have a spot for you, would you be willing to go to the minors? and maybe something will develop there. And, and we've seen that a lot over the last few years. The Cardinals have, have done that quite a bit. Uh, but then, you know what, you have overseas. I mean, you know, you have the Korean and Japanese leagues that are always looking for good players as well. But if you don't have a job by next week, then it's going to be pretty tough. And the only thing I can say to a person is just stay ready. Mm-hmm. Stay ready. Agents stay in touch with teams, and you, and you know what teams are going to be interested in. I mean, you've already had those conversations, so you, you know what teams are, are interested in, and that way you just stay in touch with them, kind of monitor how their, their camp is going, and if they need an extra bat or they're looking for a professional arm, then uh, you make sure that they know where to find you. I don't know how you feel on this, but it feels like to me, anytime you have one of those guys that just sits out there and kind of waits for that opportunity and maybe they don't get in until after spring training has gotten underway, it it almost feels like they're behind the eight ball the entire season, like one week of yeah. this spring training and all of a sudden it's just never right for them the rest of the year. Well, you know, going back to your original question about guys uh, coming in early, and, and you're right, you know, when you do sign late, then how do you figure a way to get in front of people? How do you figure a way where they can see what you have? And, and obviously they, they want to see what you have in order to make some other decisions. But, yeah, you can be a little bit behind the eight ball, but not as much as you used to be, uh, Matt, because 
a lot of these guys are already in shape. A lot of these guys are, are better in shape now than what they used to be, where guys would come in and need three or four days just to get themselves right. These guys come in now ready to play. And, and it won't be too long before we see spring training reduced as far as those opening days of pitchers and catchers. And believe it, uh, if it wasn't for pitchers trying to get themselves stretched out a little bit, they'd start this thing uh, on a Monday and be ready to play games by Wednesday or Thursday. It's pretty incredible what it's turned into just from a facility standpoint when you take the technological advances, all the data that's being used and, and being collected, uh, the, the biomechanics stuff, pitching labs that are, are coming in across spring training facilities for all organizations. Uh, the, these guys and these organizations have things that didn't exist even 10, 15 years ago. No, you're right. Um, and one of the things, everything is monitored. Every pitch you throw is documented. Every swing you take in the cage, somebody has an eye on it. And, you know, with all the other information readily available to them, uh, and you mentioned the pitching lab, the Cardinals built a pitching lab here recently over the last couple of years, and, and they're going to go over a remake. Uh, after this year, they're going to really kind of gut the the complex and, and try and expand it a little bit more. Uh, and certainly that's going to be able to house more information with regard to the digital stuff that they already retain. But, yeah, it's it's changed dramatically in the last 10 years. And, you know, if you're a guy who's been out of the game and you come back just to visit and you look around and you see all the things they have to monitor everything players do, you, you think you were coming from another planet. I mean, it's changed that much. That's Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. This is Countdown to Opening Day. We've got a busy two hours coming up as we will hear from the newest Hall of Famer, former Cardinals third baseman Scott Rowland will join us. Cardinals pitcher Andre Pallante will be with us. And an extended conversation with new Cardinals TV play-by-play broadcaster Chip Carey going to be coming up as well. And just real quick on that, Claves, before we get to him in a little bit, uh, the Cardinals make that announcement. Valley Sports Midwest makes that announcement. It really feels like Chip Carey checks every single box for Cardinals fans. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, you know, I've known Chip for a long time, and, and when things started to unravel uh, with the previous situation, he was the first choice as far as I was concerned. Uh, I mean, he knew St. Louis. He knew the, the tradition and the history. Uh, he's an accomplished broadcaster. He's been at it for a long, long time. So the transition would be, would be seamless uh, with him being part of what we do, and I'm looking forward to working with him. Uh, we'll have some fun. I'm, like as, as I said, I, I knew Chip when he was doing NBA basketball oh. with the Orlando Magic. And, uh, you know, when you think about going that far back with stops in Seattle and Chicago and Atlanta and now St. Louis, uh, you know, he, his his resume is a very healthy and competent one. And I think fans are going to enjoy his work. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. It is the Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals radio network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. Be one of the first fans to catch the Cardinals in 2023 at spring training. Cardinals Vacations makes it easy to get to warm, sunny Jupiter, Florida by being your one-stop shop for spring training travel. Make your plans today. Call Cardinals Vacations at 800-892-7687 or online at cardinals.com slash vacations. Well, we uh, talked about this a lot on last week's show. 
Scott Rowland, the former Cardinals third baseman, the newest member of the Hall of Fame. Last week he was selected for induction, and uh, we're very happy to be able to welcome him on to the program right now. Scott, thank you so much for uh, taking some time. I'm sure the last week or so has been kind of a whirlwind for you, but at the same time, I'm sure things are going pretty well for you here at the moment. Things are going great. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we just got back from uh, from New York, and I haven't been to Manhattan for about 11 years. So uh, that means the last time my kids were there, they were in strollers, basically. So uh, we, we had a pretty hectic pretty hectic uh, weekend, but at the same time, it went, it went very well. And they were, they were able to see a bunch of stuff that, that they had in the Statue of Liberty and 9-11 Memorial and a bunch of things that are pretty cool. Scott, I'm thinking the last time you were in New York and Manhattan was when the Cardinals went in there and broke up the furniture against the New York Mets. <laughs> well, I was I was there a little bit afterwards, but not, not okay. as memorable as that one, that's for sure. All right. Hey, uh, first of all, congratulations on, on being inducted. What was that like? Because, you know, your name had been mentioned quite a bit as being a guy that might get in this year. But, you know, I'm sure everybody was calling you, saying all the positive things. But what was it like for you and your family to have to sit around and wait from one year to another and whether you have a chance to get that that important phone call? Well, to be honest, this this was about the only year that it, that it snuck up on me a little bit. It surprised me, you know, some of the uh, – it was it was pretty intense. And, and I, you know, kind of, kind of crawled into my chest a little bit and, and the realization that this – may or may not happen. I, I didn't quite think that I was over the hump last year, so there there wasn't a real chance. I didn't think that I was going to receive a phone call and from what all my buddies were sending me and my son was keeping me up to date on and the whole works. It, it sounded like that it was at least going to be interesting right there uh, coming down to the wire. And, uh, man, when that phone rang and I see the area code and it says baseball HOF on it, we were we were at my house with just my family, my, my son, daughter, and wife, and, and I just showed them the phone, like, what in the world just happened? And, you know, they're like, answer it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. And, uh, and so they jumped up on the table after the whole thing. And, and, you know, we shared a nice little cry and hug with our whole family. And my, my little man, Finn, he, he actually, I'm trying to embarrass him, but he, he left the room and broke down and uh, came back and asked me to play catch with him in the driveway. So uh, we went out and played catch for about five minutes in the driveway before before we went over to my brother's house where my whole family was and shared the news. How cool is it that you are a, like, clearly your family understands the, the magnitude of this. Does that make it that much better that not only do you understand that, but everybody in your family does as well? Yeah, I think, I think my family, you know, my, my family understands the magnitude of being a family and to being together in anything. So I think if, if my you know, daughter wins a, a volleyball match in a, in a tournament game that they're, they're so proud of her and, and, and we're all together that uh, that's kind of the way I grew up and, and how I strive to raise my kids. But, you know, obviously this is a little bigger situation. The magnitude was great, but everybody, everybody in my family handled it, you know, just they're just great down to genuine people and there was no show going on and this is how this is how it went and, and everybody was proud of each other and hugging each other because we, we all did it together. It was, it was a long, it was a long, long road. We're visiting with hall of famer, Scott Rowland here on countdown to opening day, Scott, 2004, maybe your best season of your career. And you played well in virtually every city you were in. What do you remember about that season? Because you, you guys were a really good team. You get to the world series. Boston was just really good that particular time for the world series, but 
What stands out for you in that particular year? Well, that, that particular year, I don't know why, but it was one of those years that things clicked for me offensively a little bit, and that, that's not the norm. I had to grind through quite a bit of my offensive career, I felt like, but it, it clicked a little better that year, and, and things were working for me, and, and we had such a good team, and we were so deep in the middle of that order and our staff that when we when we ended up getting swept by by the Red Sox, I, I went home, we we went home. I told my wife we were out walking the dogs forever, and I said, "I'm I'm never going to win a World Series." I mean, if, if that team right there can't do it with the talent that we had, not only the talent, but they always talk about the unity and jelly inside the clubhouse. We were as close as any team that I've ever been on. Our wives, our, our the players, our you know the whole works. It was all there, and uh, we got beat up pretty bad in the World Series. So you know, you kind of get to a point like I don't know what it takes if that's not what it takes. And then lo and behold, you come back and, and everybody says you're back in in 2006 and you just walk through the playoffs and win the world championship. So I, I, at that point, I don't get it. I don't know, but I was just going to keep playing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Hey, um, have you started on the speech yet? Because that's one of the things everybody talks about, um, the speech for, for Cooperstown. And by the way, you'll be the only guy out there, you and Fred McGriff, so you'll have all the time you need, but have you started to think about that at all? Well, I don't want to start thinking about it yet because <laughs> it sounds pretty nerve-wracking. So, so I, I got I have six months, I believe, and and you know, a couple of people have asked me about this this speech, and you know, if I'm a procrastinator, if I'm just going to get on it and go, and and I I think the answer is. Of course, of course, maybe I'll jot some things down along the way to keep them fresh and in my head. But, you know, to, to write a speech right now with, you know, I, I'm going to have six months of some pretty cool stuff, I think, in front of me. Just even the New York trip that we went on and coming back to St. Louis. And I think there's some, some things that are maybe worthy in the next six months that I certainly don't want to leave out. So I think it'll be a work in progress. And then, you know, when it comes down to it, of course, I'll be miserable and nervous and and, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Scott, has there been a, a moment or maybe somebody who has reached out to you since the announcement where it especially hit you as being really cool? Well, I don't want to say I, I've been, there have been so many people that have reached out. I mean, as, as the announcement was going, I, I looked at my watch and I was at 120 texts, 150 texts, 200 texts. And I'm like, I don't even know this many people. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I, I probably got three, four, five hundred texts and, and phone calls. And, you know, then, then the hall, hall of famers that are in sitting in the hall of fame right now, they start calling and congratulating and texting and, you know, that's been a, that's been a pretty cool, cool thing to get, you know, calls from, you know, Jim Palmer texted me yesterday and, and Jim Cott called me the day before. And, you know, it's been, it's been pretty cool. Like, wait, what, what's happening here? Like, this is a pretty special group right here. Not that that was lost on me, but this is a, this is something a little different. So the, the outpouring, yeah, people just, you know, are, are genuinely happy and I truly appreciate that. So it's, it's really been great. Final question from me, Scott. Uh, when you got the call, I'm sure there are a lot of names of a lot of people who went through your head on why you ended up being in the Hall of Fame because no one goes in by themselves. Who was the first person you thought about when you got the call that said you were going to be a Hall of Famer? Uh, Influence-wise or who else might be? Yeah, influence-wise. Influence-wise. Influence-wise, well, and, and I don't want to uh, – I mean, I always go back to my – 
to my brother and my dad and, and just growing up where I grew up. I mean, that's, those are my heroes really. You know, I didn't, I didn't watch as much baseball or basketball as we played. We were just out running around in our bare feet, running across rocks and playing whatever we could, whatever sport was in place. So I, I think the, I think without just a single influence, if I, if I say my, my, my brother, my dad, mom, dad, my mom, my sister, I mean, we just, we grew up in Jasper, Indiana. It's just a, a real work hardy place and a real, a real throw your arms around each other and let's lift this heavy thing. And, and, you know, that's kind of what was instilled in me and, and the way mom and dad raised our whole family just to take care of each other. And again, you know, to aspire to raise my own family that way. I think that was, that was the one thing, you know, if I say the one inspiration, it's, it's, it's not a single person necessarily. It's just a whole, a whole, a whole bunch of things that came together that just really enabled me to be, to get a phone call and really, you know, make a special thing happen. Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking this time. Congratulations. And man, we really look forward to uh, everything that's going to happen over the summer leading up uh, to the eventual uh, official induction to the hall of fame. I appreciate you guys. All right, we'll see you soon, Hall of Famer. Sounds good. Take care. That is former Cardinals third baseman Scott Rowland, now a Hall of Famer, joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. When we come back, we go from a former Cardinal to a current Cardinal. Pitcher Andre Pallante will join us in just a moment. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Across the St. Louis Cardinals radio network, it is Countdown to Opening Day. Alongside of Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. Cardinals Nation Restaurant, they host the only official St. Louis Cardinals pregame party with a a two-and-a-half-hour DJ-hosted all-you-can-eat all-you-can-drink event before every home game. Tickets go on sale Friday, February 3rd. That's this Friday at cardinals.com slash pregame. Somebody who really turned themselves into a very valuable member of the pitching staff this past season was Andre Pallante. Could be used as a starter, but I think at the same time, you can uh, certainly argue that his great value became somebody who could give you multi-inning outings uh, when you really needed it out of the bullpen. That is such a weapon in today's baseball. And with all that being said, we're very happy to uh, welcome Andre Pallante on to the program. Andre, thanks so much for us. Uh, taking some time with us. How are you? Good. How about yourself? We're doing great. Uh, I want to 
I got a couple of questions for you right off the bat. And, and let's go back to a year from a year ago. You're getting ready to go to spring training. Did you go into spring training expecting to make the team? Because you were that guy that all of a sudden people started to pay attention to and you broke camp with us and you gave the Redbirds everything they needed in 2023. But what was that mindset like going into spring training last year? You know, you kind of go with the mindset pretty much the same every year, which is just come in the best, you know, pitcher you can be. Uh, so, you know, I came in, I had no intentions of like uh, forcing a result to happen, but I knew coming into spring training that I felt really good. I felt really confident with the way all my pitches were working and my ability to command the zone. Um, and, you know, if you can control those things, then uh, the results came. I was just happy that the expanded roster and um, the coaches wanted to give me the opportunity to perform at the major league level and, I was happy to be there the whole year. That role that you're in as a, as a multi-inning reliever, that is becoming so very important in baseball, especially with starters not going quite as deep. I, I know you've spent some time as a starter, but do you embrace being that middle guy who can cover some really important innings? Yeah, I think uh, going into last year, you know, I'd only been a starter my entire career. I've had a couple innings out of the bullpen in college, but not really much more than that. Uh, I think – you know, having the performance and doing well gave me the confidence that uh, I can perform in that role, and that really helps me uh, snowball and keep going. Um, I, Yeah, it's definitely uh, – I understand how important that role is, and uh, they asked me to fill it, and I felt like that's a good role for me to fill. What was it like for you and when you stepped on the mound in the big leagues for your first outing? What, what was that like for you and, and your family? Because it's it's not just one person that goes through this. An entire family and friends go through it as well. So – what kind of thoughts did you have? Uh, well, for me, it was uh, it was kind of a bittersweet moment. Uh, my grandpa had passed away a little bit beforehand, um, but uh, they called my dad as soon as I got done with my uh, debut. Right after the game, I got back to my room and everything. I called him, and uh, he was with all my family out in Ohio. Uh, they had just uh, finished the funeral, um, so you know, I it was sad in the sense that I lost my grandfather, but. Uh, my whole family was there. They all watched my first outing together, and it was really cool to be able to, uh, you know, talk to all of them right after you know the biggest day of my life. Does the does the off season change at all now that you're coming off a year where you were in the big leagues? You've you've got a role. Not that it's set. There's always competition, but has this off season looked any different for you than any other off season? Uh, well, I haven't had too many different off uh, too many off seasons yet. But everyone's been unique. Uh, you know, I've had one full offseason where I was in the minor leagues and I wasn't invited to big league camp. So I had uh, almost, you know, four and a half months worth of an offseason. So I had a lot more time to prepare. Um, I was throwing, you know, I was built up to about three, four innings before I even got to spring training. My first, um, which would have been 2020, which got canceled because of COVID. Uh, the following offseason, I was part of the Arizona Fall League and invited to big league spring training. So my offseason was about two and a half months long. Um, this offseason was a little bit different than last year's because not going to the fall league, um, I had a little bit extra time on the front end. So I probably had about three months of an offseason. So, you know, it's always changing with the time frame. But, uh, you know, I was able to take a good amount of time off, um, you know, to take about uh, six to eight weeks off from throwing and come back strong. We've been throwing really good. Been up to, you know, like 92, 95 with my bullpen. So uh, I'm looking strong. I'm feeling good, ready to take on the season. Andre Pallante is our guest on Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. And, Andre, for you, you went through a whole season. You went through a whole spring training. 
What did you try and work on to be better at going into this spring? You know, I really wanted to develop that, that two seam. It was a pitch that I started working on about halfway through the year or a third of the way through the season. Um, and I felt like it really helped me kind of get inside on right-handed hitters and keep them from diving out over the plate. So I think that's an important pitch for me to continue to develop and improve. But most importantly, it's just, you know, fastball command, keeping my fastball out of the middle of the plate um, will reduce a lot of the hits I give up and the hard hit, extra base hits. So, you know, that's the constant, uh, the constant goal we're always working on is improving our fastball command. As a ground ball guy, what does it mean to you to have some of those infielders behind you? Having the best defense in baseball definitely helps me out. I mean, could not be, I could not be paired up with a better infield, a better team to, you know, have defense behind me, especially with, uh, you know, losing Molina is always, uh, everyone knows how tough that's going to be. But, uh, you know, having Contreras and Kisner to throw them back there, I think they're very smart catchers and they understand the game very well. I think uh, they're going to help me out. Um, but uh, having the best defense in baseball returning, you know, that's, you know, that always keeps you confident. Hey, Andre, you, you pitched more innings last year than you ever pitched professionally. Uh, how did you fight through that and, and go above and beyond? And what did you learn from that? Uh, one of the best resources that we have is at the major league level is we have a, about, we have a good a training, very good training staff and a lot of trainers that work with us on a daily basis. So the constant workout you put in every single day helped my arms stay fresh and better. I feel like last year, it was the most things I threw, was the best my arms felt throughout the entire season, my entire life. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is just the small 10-minute, 15 minutes worth of exercises we do every day with the trainers that uh, help me uh, feeling fresh. And, uh, you know, just it is a long season. uh, All the stakes are very high, so it's more of a mental wear down than it is a physical wear down because of what we have available to us. But to combat that, you know, you kind of do a little bit of reading. You do a lot of mental conditioning and mental coaching. And we have a mental coach as well that helps us stay even keel, even to the ups and downs. You know, to, to back up on that, uh, throwing every day in some way, shape, or form was a guy that I saw you do quite a bit. Uh, some guys try to stay away from that, but it seemed like for you, you, you wanted to just, just do that motion and, and just keep your mind sharp as well as your arm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, when you take a couple of days off, it kind of slows you down a little bit, um, in my opinion, or how I felt that I've learned about myself over my career is that, uh, you know, I never am as good the day after a day off. So I wanted to always keep it moving and uh, just keep the blood flow and keep that consistency of the timing down because you don't want to lose that timing. It's so important to pitching. And um, so I just felt like that really helped me stay consistent. Last thing for me, you were at Bush Stadium the day that Wilson Contreras got uh, introduced to the media. He talked about uh, meeting you and seeing you in there. As you guys have you know, started to develop a relationship as pitcher and catcher, what's really struck out to you about Wilson? Uh, just his knowledge of the game. You know, he's been playing for so long, and uh, he really wants to win. Um, he's got that little extra dedication because not only has he been around, he knows what it takes to win, but he also wants to win. Uh, so want and know-how are the two most important things, and he's got both of those, so I'm really excited for him. Andre Palante joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day. Andre, thank you so much for your time. Uh, enjoy these uh, next couple weeks, and uh, we'll see you uh, down in Jupiter very, very soon. All right, sounds good. You too. 
That is Cardinals pitcher Andre Pallante joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We know when you can get your hands on Cardinals single-game tickets. We'll talk about that in just a moment. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based channel championship team another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Countdown to Opening Day continues across the Cardinals radio network. We are getting closer and closer to the start of the Cardinals season, which means it's just about time for you to go out and get all your single-game tickets. We're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program Vice President of Ticket Sales with the Cardinals. He is Joe Strom. Joe, thank you so much for taking some time. How are you? I am doing well. My pleasure, and uh, I'm glad we're getting closer and closer to spring training. I think I've had enough of winter. I'm ready to see the sunshine from Jupiter, Florida being back to St. Louis. I I can't tell you how many people have asked me, "Hey, what's the what's the on sale date for single game tickets?" I bet a half dozen people have asked me that question in the last 2 weeks and now we can officially say it. When can fans go get uh single game tickets? Well, it's here. Friday morning at 10 o'clock is when single game tickets go on sale to the general public. Easiest way to purchase is cardinals.com. I get often asked, how can I get the best seats in the ballpark? Well, the way to get the best seats in the ballpark is buy now. And uh, you can uh, pick out and figure out which game is best for you and purchase your tickets now. As far as purchasing them now, you guys do something where while we have that on-sale date for single-game tickets, uh, if you purchase a few games worth, you don't have to wait. You're exactly right. Um, The average person comes to four to five games a year. And uh, so if you're going to be purchasing more than three games, you don't have to wait till Friday. You actually can purchase tickets right now and go to cardinals.com and purchase uh, your tickets if you're purchasing more than three games. Uh, So, again, no need to wait till Friday. You can go ahead and purchase those tonight. 
We've talked about it a lot here on this program with various people uh, from the office, the the different uh, theme nights and promotional giveaways, and the Cardinals just do such a fantastic job uh, of making every single night a special night beyond just the baseball. And I know this year the promotional dates include all kinds of bobbleheads, all kinds of wearables, all kinds of theme nights. I mean, there's just so much going on. You're exactly right. Uh, it's something that's unique here in St. Louis, and that would be – uh, the amount of theme nights and amount of uh, gate giveaways that are scheduled throughout the year. We have eight, over eight bobbleheads, 20 wearables. Uh, the easiest thing to do is go to cardinals.com slash promotions and look at the wonderful giveaways. There's a lot of great photos where you can see what the items are going to be. And uh, now's the time to make the plans uh, to come to the promotional dates and to make your schedule and your vacation uh, to St. Louis. You've mentioned it. Cardinals.com is the best way to purchase. It's the easiest way to purchase. But there are people out there that like going to the ticket window, like going somewhere else. So if you don't go to Cardinals.com, I'm, I'm out at Bush Stadium generally about once a week, and I, and I walk by the, uh, the ticket windows, and there's always somebody uh, sitting there. So there's other ways to get tickets even if you don't do Cardinals.com. You're exactly right. Uh, you can come to the box office on the 8th Street side across from the Weston Hotel and purchase in person. You also can purchase over the phone at 314-345-9000. Uh, multiple ways to purchase, uh, but it's very easy to get the tickets, and now is, not, now is the time to purchase your tickets for the upcoming season. We have sold over 2,000 tickets, or 2,000, 2 million tickets at this point wow. uh, for the season. So we definitely are trending toward $3 million once again this year. Should have some large crowds in the ballpark for the 79 games that are here at Bush Stadium this year. And uh, it's just going to be the place to be this summer. Isn't that incredible? We're, spring training hasn't even gotten started, and Cardinals fans have bought 2 million tickets. It's, 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 it's just remarkable. It is, and it's what, separ- what allows uh, the Cardinals to compete against what I say the big boys, uh, the large markets. Our fans over-deliver on uh, purchasing tickets for the market size. And it's also why players enjoy playing here in St. Louis. And you hear that often when a player comes over. It's fun to play in front of 40,000 fans most nights. And the atmosphere is just a little bit different at Bush Stadium. He is Joe Strom, and uh, you got to get your tickets. Cardinals.com is the easiest way to do it. And uh, tickets, uh, single-game tickets going on sale on Friday at 10 in the morning. But if you are purchasing three or more games, you don't have to wait. You can buy them right this very moment. Joe, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Enjoy the next couple weeks before pitchers and catchers report. And uh, before we know it, we'll be talking about actual baseball. I agree, and it's going to be fun. Thanks for having me on. Joe Strom, Vice President of Ticket Sales with the St. Louis Cardinals, joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day. Coming up next hour, we are going to have an extended conversation with new Cardinals TV voice Chip Carey. That's coming up in just a few moments. We'll wrap up hour number one of the program next. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. We are starting to wrap up our number one of Countdown to Opening Day here across the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Coming up in the second hour of the program, we're going to have an extended conversation with the new television voice of the Cardinals, Chip Carey. He's going to join us coming up in less than 10 minutes, so you don't want to go anywhere. Chip Carey is going to be joining us in just a little bit here on Countdown to uh, Opening Day. Also, we will uh, have our weekly snapshot segment as we look 
back at a big moment that happened for the Cardinals this past season. It's been really fun putting those together as uh, there was obviously a lot of big moments for the Cardinals this past year and uh, being able to relive those moments each week has certainly been a lot of fun. Did want to mention this to you. Uh, It was announced the game times for the London games that are going to uh, that the Cardinals are going to be playing in this year as they are set to match up against the Cubs in London and uh, that's going to be on Saturday and Sunday, June 24th and June 25th. Now there is a time difference so the games are a little bit funky from a uh, central time perspective not so much on Saturday. The Saturday game is going to be a 12-10 game. Uh, That's again central time, not local time to uh, to London. Uh, If you're lucky enough to be uh, going to London for this obviously it's going to be a little bit later than that. But uh, 12-10 central time on Saturday, June 24th, and then the second game, it's going to be a day game in London, so it's going to be a morning game in the central time zone. They're going to match up against the Cubs on June 25th with a 9-10 in the morning first pitch when it comes to uh, central time. So that's going to be going on on June 25th. But that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, The uh, Cardinals have a couple off days before they get to London and then one off day after they get to London. But that's going to be a really, really cool thing for the team to participate in this year. All right, that is it for hour number one of Countdown to Opening Day. Again, coming up in our final hour, uh, just a few moments away, we are going to be joined by the new television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Chip Carey. How excited is he to be returning to his hometown of St. Louis? We'll find out in just a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. One hour down as we move into our second hour of this week's Countdown to Opening Day show across the Cardinals Radio Network, alongside of Cardinals broadcaster Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. We really appreciate you being tuned in, giving us an opportunity to talk all things Cardinals baseball uh, once a week throughout the course of the offseason. We will continue with this show even uh, as we get into uh, spring training, which is Right around the corner uh, with the WBC this year, uh, the report date for uh, some individuals is a little bit sooner than uh, most years. Uh, as uh, Klaibs was talking about earlier, there's already a lot going on in Jupiter, so you can uh, certainly, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a great time. It is a great time, and while maybe spring training isn't quite officially underway, Basically, the offseason has uh, come to an end. Did you know that Cardinals Authentics is the only place that you can get game used and autographed memorabilia directly from the St. Louis Cardinals? Visit CardinalsAuthentics.com or visit the store on the first floor of Cardinals Nation inside of Ballpark Village. Well, it became official this past week. The new television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals is Chip Carey. Comes back to St. Louis. He graduated high school in St. Louis. He is a St. Louis native. Spent a long time with the Atlanta Braves. Prior to that, he was working with the Chicago Cubs, and now he is back home in St. Louis, and uh, he joins us right now. Chip, thank you so much for uh, taking some time here on the program. Just what is your excitement level right now as uh, you begin kind of the uh, the next chapter of your journey? Oh, man, sky high. Still can't believe it's real. Uh, grateful to so many people who helped me along the way, and uh, look, uh, to come back home and call games for the team that uh, helped me fall in love with baseball as a kid growing up in West County in St. Louis. It's a dream come true. And 
life comes full circle, man. It took me three decades plus to figure out that St. Louis is where I was supposed to be. So all that tells you is I'm a real slow learner, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad to be coming home. <laughs> well, Chip, uh, first of all, welcome home. Um, I know it's been an interest- interesting journey. I was telling Matt earlier, I think we first crossed paths when you were doing Orlando Magic basketball. So that, that's been yeah, a long time exactly. ago. And between Orlando and Seattle and Chicago and Atlanta, it, it's amazing what this industry will do for us as far as being able to see the world and, and, and meet so many people along the way. So when did it finally hit you that I'm a, I'm a Cardinal broadcaster? Because, you know, once it sets in, it's a little bit of a different situation compared to when they first tell you, all right, you're going to be our guy. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, when uh, Larry Mago at Valley Midwest called me and said, I, I just wanted to call and see what's going to take for us to bring you back home. And, you know, after I, I almost started crying because I was so excited about the possibilities of this, that's when it really started to hit home. And then all the wonderful things that people have written, both in Atlanta and St. Louis. I, I mean, my family's really, Mike, just overwhelmed, not just with uh, what's been a real positive uh, reception and reaction, but just, as I said, so many people, you included, who have helped me along the way here. I, I, the old saying, it takes a village, really is true. And to your point about uh, seeing the world and making connections, that's really what it's all about. And uh, so many people who I can't possibly name in a short segment like this uh, are responsible for helping opening doors for me, and I'll forever be grateful for that. And as I said a moment ago, I, I just can't wait to get started. And every day I wake up and pinch myself and say, is this real? Well, it is. I'm going to baseball heaven, and I can't be more grateful for that than, than I am. You come from a fantastic place with great baseball fans. And I saw the newspaper article where you said St. Louis is the only place that that you're leaving for that. Can you just go through that a little bit and what it is about St. Louis that gets you away from Atlanta? Well, you know, when you're born in St. Louis and you're raised there, heck, I was conceived there. (laughs) That's my old joke after a game at Sportsman's (laughs) Park, uh, probably. I don't want to get too personal, but that's probably if you do the math. Um, You know, I I come from an era where you knew the 64 Cardinals lineup before you knew the alphabet. You know, McCarver, White, uh, Grote, Javier, Boyer, Brock, Shannon, Flood. Okay, there you go. And Bob Gibson. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we were raised on. And you know, when you'd go to a game at Bush Stadium and you saw Lou Brock play, you saw Bob Gibson pitch. My guy was Ted Simmons. Uh, you know, I went through some some years where the Cardinals weren't so good, but they were always entertaining because the fans were so passionate about the way the game was played. You know, coming in as a visiting broadcaster, seeing 42,000 people, 45,000 people on a Thursday afternoon game against a second division club, and they still packed the house, not just with rabid fans, but grandfathers and grandmothers, mothers and fathers, their kids in tow, their grandkids in tow, all wearing Cardinals jerseys and cheering for both teams because they're so passionate about and love the game. And I think that's the genesis for all of us who work behind a microphone. We love the game, no matter the team we work for. But uh, something about Cardinal baseball is so special because you're taught it from an early age. You're nurtured to appreciate the franchise, the great players who've come and gone, the broadcasters and executives. We stand on the shoulders of Giants, both as employees and as fans, and I fully recognize that, and I'm grateful to uh, to represent the Redbirds uh, once again. You know, you make a great point about everybody who's in the game. They love the game, but I think the, the caveat here is it's great to love the game, but when you have a team that you can love because of their success, that makes right. the job even better uh, because well, there are right. a lot of guys who work in markets where they've got no chance, all right? Correct. But they love the right. game. But, man, right. they, they, they stand from a distance, <clears throat> excuse me, and they admire a St. Louis or an Atlanta or L.A. And, and teams have had tradition and had success on the field. Uh, it, it's a big difference. 
Yeah, winning is fun. I mean, look, we're all cheerleaders for the teams we work for. We want them to do well. But as you know, Mike, it's a different mindset when you go to the ballpark every day expecting to have a great chance to win the game as opposed to, hey, I hope we can keep it close so that we don't lose our minds in the third inning and have to fill for three hours, right? I mean, that's just the nature of, of the business. But you're right. There's a standard of excellence in every facet of the organization. Uh, and the same is true in Atlanta. These are gold standard places. But the one caveat for me was St. Louis. It's where I was born. It's where my family still is there. My, my mom is still there, aunts and uncles, cousins and the like, dear friends. Uh, that was the difference between the two places. And I'm forever grateful for what the Braves did for me and my dad over 46 years uh, down south at uh, Truist Park and Turner Field. The uh, Braves organization specifically treated me uh, very, very well. I'm grateful for the opportunity and the platform they gave me. And I had a fantastic 20-year run, and I feel good about the, the you know, that I, I left the place in better shape than when I inherited it. And I hope whoever takes over uh, that seat will have as much fun and be welcome just the way I was 20 years ago. As a broadcaster, how much do you enjoy the fact that this isn't a market where people have the game on in the background and have it on mute while they do other things? The words you say, they're going to matter. You are talking to an audience that's going to be very much into everything you're saying. Well, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, no, no question. It's, it's, there's a higher intensity there. And I hate to say it this way. And I, I say this only because I'm talking to you about my personal experience. Uh, that was what it was like in Chicago when I followed my grandfather there. Uh, everything we said on WGN went not just to a Chicago and a Cubs-centric audience, but it went to a national audience. And you do have to. Uh, know your stuff. You do have to be uh, up to date on what's happening, not just with your team, but everything in Major League Baseball, because the fans want to know about that. And ultimately, uh, if the game's bad, uh, those kinds of subject matters, I think, will keep people entertained and keep them sticking around for the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, which I'm sure the sponsors appreciate. So, yes, I'm looking forward to that. I I know that, uh, you know, Mike's going to be a big help. Uh, John and Ricky have reached out from the radio side and have been so kind. Uh, Brad Thompson has been uh, terrific. We've talked very briefly. I know it was his birthday yesterday. But uh, I'm going to lean on those guys an awful lot because nobody knows the Cardinals better than they. And as I go to work and do my homework and become acclimated and familiar with the franchise and with the recent history of the team, hopefully that will come through in the broadcast and it will be a seamless transition. Chip Carey joining us here on the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We've got a lot more with Chip coming up. Don't go anywhere. Our conversation continues in just a moment across the Cardinals radio network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. We are back on Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals radio network. We were just talking last hour 
about the individual game tickets, single game tickets going on sale coming up on Friday morning. As Joe Strom had mentioned to us, though, if you're going to buy three games or more, you don't have to wait till Friday. You can buy essentially single game tickets right now. And I also want to remind you about group tickets. Group tickets are on sale now, and groups of 20 or more receive great incentives, including a discount off the gate price in most seating areas. Group tickets are a great way to fundraise, entertain clients, or reconnect with family and friends. For more details, visit cardinals.com slash groups or call 314-345-9000. Speaking of reconnecting with family and friends, that's what uh, Chip Carey is doing. The new television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals continuing to join us here on Countdown to Opening Day. Alongside of uh, Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. Chip, we were talking, Matt and I were talking about this earlier, about how the game has changed technology, and even from a broadcasting standpoint, uh, because there's so much more information than what Mm -hmm. we had, let's just say, 10 years ago. How have you tried to deal with that? Because you can recite numbers all night long, but people still want to try and figure out what's the most important thing, and that's the game itself. The game itself and the context, right? I'm not an anti-analytics guy. Analytics is a fancy word for saying information. Information is powerful. It's how you digest that information. Mike, as you know, uh, they give us 40, 50 pages of notes and numbers, and we condense them on our score sheet. We utilize them in a way that we hope can be translated into a way that fans at home can digest them quickly and easily and in a manner that makes it understandable. Um, I'm not a numbers guy per se, but I am a context guy. I love the history of the game. I like talking about uh, players of different eras. I think it's dangerous to compare them specifically that way, but I enjoy that kind of stuff. And a, a franchise steeped in tradition like the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, you, you can't help but, but talk about those sorts of things. But as far as the analytics stuff are concerned, I think it's great to, to talk about. I think it's great uh, for fans to understand motivations behind building a team. I just think it's very difficult to translate rather complex subjects into a 10-second soundbite in the middle of a Paul Goldschmidt at bat with the game on the line in the seventh inning. It just is hard to do. Uh, so that, is, that, I think, is something that we'll, we'll work our way through. I'm, look, I'm interested in it as much as anybody else, and information is power, and the more I have, the more likely it is that I'll be able to pass it along and hopefully have the fans enjoy the context and uh, the meaning behind those numbers. On the other side of that is all the amazing stories in the game. Baseball is probably the sport that creates just the best stories, the access during mm-hmm. the day, the, the, the just the, the entire season. How much do you enjoy being the person that gets to tell so many of those stories? Love it. I mean, that's, that's what we do. The favorite part of my job is seeing kids get to the big leagues for the first time. You know, that, that dream that every kid has, wow, can I – can I be a big league player? And then they become an established big, big league player. And then they become a regular big league player. And then they meet their future spouse and they get married. And then they become a star and they have children. And then they move on into retirement. I mean, those are the things that we have a front row seat to talk about. And to your point, I don't think the game's in better shape than it is now. The amount of young star players that are coming up from single A, double A into the major leagues and doing things that we've never seen before gives me great hope for our sport. Kids still love the game. They still love to play it. Uh, they are still passionate about it all around the world, not just in the United States. And seeing these kids live their dreams out on the biggest stage of all is, a, is an incredible thrill. And, uh, you know, especially in Atlanta where we have so many young players, it was a real, real thrill watching these guys grow up and become stars and either stay or move along. And I'm, I'm sure the same will be true in St. Louis. 
You know, I couldn't agree with you more about the state of the game because even bad teams have really good young players. And, and right. that's not always been the case where they drafted poorly or whatever the case, case might be. But you can look at teams that aren't expected to get to 500, and you can look at their roster and say, well, he's a pretty good player, and that guy's all right, and he could play for us. And, and I don't think we've seen that very often, but now we are, and hopefully we'll see it for quite some time. And I'm looking forward, Mike, to the opportunity to spread my wings and tell those stories. Uh, the, the philosophy in Atlanta was a little different. It was Braves-centric and Braves all the time. And if we spoke too much about another player on another team, that was sort of frowned upon because they wanted us to tell the stories of our club. And I understand that to a degree. But I believe that we have a responsibility beyond just talking about our club, and that's selling the sport. Because as you know, in this era of player movement, Today's Washington National might be tomorrow's St. Louis Cardinal, and anything oh, yeah. you can do, anything you can do to help tell that guy's story and help uh, a town embrace him, uh, is is really I think important because we're trying to turn kids on to the game, whichever uniform they wear. Make no doubt about it. I want the Cardinals to win every game they play, but if there's a great player on the other team, I I relish the opportunity to talk about them and celebrate them because uh, I think that's a duty far beyond just mere wins and losses for for one particular club. You know, I was going to say this, and I'll close on my end. You know, you make a great point about informing the fans about the other guys, and I think that started with your grandfather and Jack Buck and Mike Shannon and on and on. All those guys always were able to pick out a good player on the other team, and once fans knew that player was a good player, they gave him his due respect as well. And that's why I think we always hear players say how St. Louis's fans really knew the game and how much they appreciated the opposition making good plays. And I think it all started back when your grandfather, because he was good at it. I mean, he, everybody knew he was a Cardinal fan, but he yeah. would always make sure you knew who the other guy was on the team that was on the opposition who was a really good player also. Yeah, and I, I well, that's a great compliment, Mike, because I think ultimately the truth is the truth, and you have to be fair. And I think that's what makes St. Louis fans uh, so different from many other places. They're fair. As I said earlier, if a, if a Cardinals opponent makes a great play, they're the first to say, wow, that was a great play. And fans aren't condemned for that. They're not saying, well, you're not a Cardinals fan. If you're rooting for Ron Santo, who just saved the game with a dive down the third base line, they're saying, wow, that was a great baseball play. And we'll get them tomorrow. I mean, that's that's the nature of, of the job, I think. And, uh, again, that even-handedness, I think, is, is, is really important. And you're right. That's why Cardinals fans are considered the best fans in baseball. They know the game. They appreciate the game. And they know where your loyalties lay. But we're there to win. We're going to see a lot of it this summer, I think. Last thing, did you have a first restaurant that came to mind that you thought to yourself, man, I'm going to be able to go to this restaurant a lot now and move forward? Well, if, if you've seen my waistline, you know I like restaurants. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to take Mike to someplace expensive and fancy on the hill. That's where I want to go. I, I, uh, I love going to the hill when we're in town as a visiting player. Uh, I grew up in West County, so uh, you know I, look, I, I know a few of the places. I mean, I used to wash dishes at Rich and Charlie's as a kid. If you if you remember that place, oh yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but you know, Conetto's on the Hill's always been a great place. I know my grandfather loved going to Tony's. I just really am looking forward to getting back to the Midwest and spending some more time with my mom and introducing my family to the place I grew up. And as I said before, guys, I, I'm not trying to blow smoke. I, I'm overwhelmed truly by uh, how how kind everybody has been and how excited they are for. Uh, me coming to St. Louis. It's a reception. I don't know that I'm worthy of getting, but I'm going to sure work hard to to make sure that uh, I represent you and your favorite team and our our region the best that I possibly can every single night. You're going to get 100%, whatever that is. And as I said, I, I plan on having a, a lot of fun, and hopefully we all will together.
Well, Chip, we really appreciate uh, your time. Look forward to watching you and listening to you. And for me, getting to know you a little bit. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time with us tonight. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for the warm welcome. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you in spring training. Take care. All right, brother. Thanks, man. You too. That is new Cardinals television voice Chip Carey joining us here on the Cardinals Radio Network and the Countdown to Opening Day show alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. Of course, nothing changing on the radio broadcast that you listen to. John Rooney, Ricky Horton, Claves, uh, they'll be taking care of you. A lot of the spring games uh, are going to be broadcast uh, either over the radio or uh, there's going to be some uh, webcast of uh, those games, a lot of TV games during spring as well. So we are... Uh, we're right around the corner from uh, things getting going down in Jupiter, and you are going to be able to experience Cardinal Broadcast uh, before you know it. All right, when we return, we've got our weekly snapshot segment. We are going to go back in time a little bit and relive one of the great moments that the Cardinals had over the course of the 2022 season. That's next as Countdown to Opening Day rolls on in just a moment across the Cardinals radio network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show. Presented by Amron on KMOX. Countdown to opening day does continue across the Cardinals radio network alongside of Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. It is time for our weekly snapshot where we go back and look at a big game from this past season. We are going to turn back the clock to July 2nd as the Cardinals match up against the Philadelphia Phillies, and this is a wild one. The starting pitching matchup, the Cardinals have Matthew Liebertor on the mound while the Phillies go with Kyle Gibson. And what a top of the first inning it was. With two outs, Paul Goldschmidt gets a base hit, and then that's when the craziness gets underway. The next hitter is Nolan Arenado. Next delivery is hit hard down the left field line, and that ball is gone. A home run just snuck over the wall, and Arenado has homered here in the first inning. The Cardinals have a 2-0 lead. Home run number 16 for Arenado. But there is much more to come in the inning. The next hitter after that, Nolan Gorman. There's a long one to right field off the bat of Nolan Gorman. And that is long gone. Big fly Gorman. Back-to-back home runs for the Cardinals here in the first, and it's 3-0 Redbird. Back-to-back home runs for the Cardinals. They're not done yet. The next hitter coming up is Juan Yepes. One-two pitches hit high and deep down the left field line towards the wall, and it's gone! Back-to-back-to-back! Big fly, Juan Yepes! And the Cardinals lead 4 to nothing. And then finally, it brings up Dylan Carlson. The 1-0 pitch is hit high and deep to right! He did it! He did it! Carlson hits it off the scoreboard! Four home runs in a row for the Cardinals! Arenado, Gorman, Yepes, and now Dylan Carlson hits his fifth. Unbelievable! Back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs. Four straight home runs for the Cardinals as they had a 5-0 lead on that July 2nd day. You thought that one might be over but it wasn't. Give credit where credit is due. The Phillies would come back. They would score a couple runs in the second inning to kind of get back in it. And then in the third, they would put up a three spot, and we were all the way back to even. It was a 5-5 game. The Cardinals, they got the lead back in the fifth inning. Lars Newtbar had a bases-loaded walk to score Paul Goldschmidt, and the Cardinals lead 6-5. But again, the Phillies answer. They score a run in the top of the sixth inning, and it is a 6-6 game. It would be 6-6 
going into the top of the eighth inning, and that's when Ryan Helsley comes on to pitch for the Cardinals. The three batters he would face off against, Kyle Schwarber, Reese Hoskins, and Nick Castellanos. The 2-2 delivery. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. He couldn't hold up. And Schwarber strikes out for the fourth time here today. 2-2 pitch from Helsley is a swing and a miss. He threw it by him. 100-plus again from Ryan Helsley. And he gets his man back-to-back strikeouts for Helsley. And here comes the pitch from Helsley. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Three up, three down, all on strikeouts for Helsley. So it's a 6-6 game going to the ninth inning. As we go into the top of the ninth, the first hitter for the Cardinals is Nolan Arnato. The 1-1 pitch is hit high and deep to left field. Backing up is the left fielder, and it's a big fly for Arnato. His second of the game, and the Cardinals take the lead in the ninth inning. Home run number 17 for Nolan. A leadoff shot in the ninth inning. And the Cardinals flex their muscles again. Arnato's second home run of the day. And the Cardinals have a 7-6 lead. Ryan Helsley back out to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning. He would strike out JT Ramuto. That would be his fourth straight strikeout. After getting Alec Bohm to pop out, he would walk Matt Veerling, and that would bring up Odubel Herrera as the potential winning run. And the next pitch to Herrera. Swelled out and missed. He struck him out. And Herrera has to throw him out at first. And Ryan Helsley picks up the victory. Two scoreless innings in the eighth and the ninth. Nolan Arenado, the big fly in the top of the ninth. And the Cardinals take game two here in Philadelphia by a score of 7-6. to six. And that's how it ended. The Cardinals got a 7-6 victory after the game that day. Our own Mike Claiborne talk with the guy who hit two home runs, Nolan Arenado. This was a city that was not kind to you when you first started playing baseball. You came into this, I believe, hitting 180. What's the difference? You know, I don't know. You know, I, I'm just happy that I'm playing a little bit better, man. I mean... You know, I think it's a mixture of, I, I usually don't see the ball great here, and uh, they got good arms. You know, it's just kind of a mixture of both, and for some reason, I don't see their arms as good as, you know, other teams or whatever, and it's a really good place to hit, you know, I know that for sure, so I don't know what it is, but I'm just happy that I came through to help the team win. Well, you snapped out of it, we could just surely, surely say that. All right, let's talk about the four home runs in an inning. All right, we see a cycle last night from you. You're in the middle of four home runs. Never been done in Cardinal history before. What goes through your mind in a situation like that? Because a dugout was alive. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it was unbelievable to do that. Uh, you know, I mean, these young guys that we have on our team are pretty darn good ball players, man. I mean, they really are. These guys are studs, and uh, they have a great approach, and they compete their butts off, and uh, they're just really good players. I mean, I'm just... I started it off, but, man, those guys, I mean, the, the, the approach and the bats they had were unbelievable. So it was really cool, and we did it against a really good arm, so that was awesome. The approach, you guys do a lot of talking to these young players, and I know that you're trying to help these guys out, but I notice you guys don't force it on them. They come to you and they talk to you guys. For sure. I mean, I mean, they, they're here for a reason. They know what they're doing. You know, we try to guide them and uh, try to help them with the approach and what this guy looks like because, you know, we have a lot more, you know, me, Goldie, some of the other guys have more experience than they do, but we're just trying to help them, you know, get the experience a little bit quicker and get get uh, adjusted quicker, but uh, they're doing an unbelievable job for us. And that is this week's snapshot. The Cardinals a 7-6 win on July 2nd of this past year. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX.
Countdown to opening day does continue across the Cardinals radio network alongside Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. Are you looking for a truly unique event space? Cardinal special events can help create memorable corporate and personal events in both Bush Stadium and Cardinals Nation Restaurant. For more information on options for an experience your guest won't stop talking about, visit cardinals.com slash events for all of those details. Uh, we had a little bit of news on Wednesday that certainly has an impact on the Cardinals as an organization. And this seems like a very good thing as uh, it was announced that the city of Springfield, Missouri, that, of course, is where the Cardinals have their double-A team, the Springfield Cardinals. Well, the city of Springfield has reached an agreement with the John Q. Hammonds Charitable Trust to purchase Hammonds Field. That's the ballpark where the Springfield Cardinals play. Um there's other stuff going on, business stuff going on. There's a city council vote that has to take place. Uh, there's some uh, money that needs to go towards this. Uh, but the deal includes the Cardinals staying in Springfield through at least 2038. So that's that's good news. The Missouri State Baseball Program uh, uses this field. The relationship between St. Louis and Springfield and having the double-A team in Springfield has been so incredibly beneficial uh, to all parties involved. So that's that's good news. Certainly wanted to uh, pass that along. It's not 100% official quite yet. This deal includes an initial investment of $4 million for stadium improvements to uh, Hammonds Field. That's going to help with uh, player safety and also with uh, the fan experience. So that's something that's going to be happening. So for uh, you Springfield Cardinals fans out there, I think that's really good news, and it probably goes a long way towards making sure that uh, the Cardinals and the city of Springfield continue to have a relationship moving forward. Do want to remind you about theme tickets. They are on sale now. They feature new themes and returning favorites, including Friends Night, Star Wars Night, Margaritaville Night, Grateful Dead Night, and many more. For all the details and a full list of dates, I give I do is head to cardinals.com slash theme and you will see all the details that you could possibly want right there. Uh, and also another reminder for you, we've been talking so much here during this program, how close we are to spring training getting underway. Pitchers and catchers, uh, some are going to be uh, reporting uh, as soon as Monday, February 13th. That's a couple Mondays from now. And then uh, the official report date is Wednesday the 15th. That's for non-WBC individuals. First full squad workout is Monday the 20th. The first spring game is scheduled for Saturday, March 25th. So like I said, it is right around the corner. One final reminder for you, Cardinals Nation is the official St. Louis Cardinals fan headquarters across the street from Bush Stadium. Cardinals Nation is the spot for food, family, and fun. While you're there, visit the Authentic Shop and the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum featuring the special exhibit celebration of 1980. Visit cardinalsnation.com for all the details. All right, we are going to uh, take ourselves another break. And uh, when we come back, Mike Claiborne uh, will rejoin me as we continue to uh, literally count down to uh, opening day. We'll go through uh, some of the remaining storylines and narratives that uh, we need to talk through between now and pitchers and catchers reporting. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. We start to wrap up this edition of Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals radio network. Alongside Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Pauley, and 
Clay, we talked about it earlier with the World Baseball Classic and the extra opportunities, and we've discussed it a little bit in recent shows, but when you think about it, the Cardinals are going to be without Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Giovanni Gallegos, and Carrera, Andre Pallante uh, for either a lot of time, or we'll just see what happens with those WBC rosters. But uh, we can talk all we want about the extra bats, but it really feels like what might really be impactful here is the extra innings for some of these young pitchers. Well, you're right. And I, I think one of the things, and the, the names you just mentioned, I, I'm not really re- overly concerned about them being away. Um, they'll get enough work. And, and believe me, uh, the pitching coaches for these respective countries have talked to the pitching coaches for the Cardinals and the hitting coaches and things of that nature. So everybody's going to be on the same page with the amount of work uh, that they're looking forward to getting. With that said, uh, the one person I'm anxious to see work is Giovanni Gallegos, and we've talked about it countless times about his pace of play. But with that also said, it's going to give some guys like Grosecco and some other pitchers within the organization a chance to really show them how far they've advanced. So if, if push comes to shove, the Cardinals will be able to, A, place them in the right minor league situation, B, make them a starter or a reliever, and C, feel like this is a guy that if he doesn't work for us, he might be part of an asset that they can use in order to acquire somebody who's further along in their career that could help the ball club. So there's a lot of things that go into the WBC that I think are all positive, and especially for a team like the Cardinals who have to take a long look at some people uh, to make some decisions, and this will give them a chance to get those decisions decided uh, in a manner that's not going to be rushed. And, and you make a good point about the fact everybody's not going to play till the end. We'll have some guys back in camp before you know it because their teams will be eliminated. So there'll be some guys that will play themselves on the roster, and there will certainly be some guys that will play themselves off the roster. The Cardinals have historically given starting pitchers opportunities in the big leagues as relief pitchers. And uh, we, we talked with Andre Pallante earlier on this program. I think if somebody like Matthew Liebertor, if we're being – really honest about it. Unless there's some injuries, there's probably not a spot in the starting rotation for him, but that doesn't mean he can't go to camp and pitch his way into a job. And it's it's a challenging thing for a young pitcher who's always been a starter to try to adjust to that role. But the other side of that is that's where the Cardinals do give you an opportunity. Yeah, and you know, Libertor is a name that we have not discussed a great deal in the offseason. I mean, what we've seen, uh, I wouldn't say is overwhelming. Uh, but, you know, again, I have to remind myself that he is still fairly young and he's trying to learn how to pitch at a big league level. Uh, but I think it's an important camp for him to just be seen more. And whether it's a guy that maybe works himself into the bullpen or, you know, does he go back to Memphis and continue to hone his skill? Uh, he, he's going to be an interesting guy to watch. Him, Gomez, a guy who had 39 home runs in the minors last year, those are two intriguing players that we probably ought to pay a closer attention to. Yeah, I, I say this all the time. De- development doesn't stop because you get to the big leagues. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes guys get to the big leagues and it becomes really, really clear, okay, this guy probably, it's just not going to work here. But there's a lot of guys who they get there, it doesn't totally work, but there, there's still some more fine-tuning that can take place. And I'm not smart enough to be able to to tell the difference between the two, but I know most guys don't have a ton of success in their first shot at the big leagues. Well, Matt, you know, the the one thing we always say in sports, it's not getting to the big leagues, it's staying in the big leagues. And, you know, some guys go back and they take what they learn during their stint in the big leagues and go back to the minors and work on those things. And the next thing you know, they're back and hopefully they're back for good. 
And, and I think we have a lot of guys in that situation right now. Before we get out of here, I wanted to just mention Dexter Fowler. He retired this past year. He had a um, a tumultuous time with the with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think you can say he obviously signed that that big deal. Had some really good moments. Had some low moments as well. When you think back on Fowler's time as a Cardinal, what stands out to you? Uh, his even keelness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dex was the same guy every day, and, and I, I knew Dex from his rookie year when he was in Arizona. And he played, uh, and Don Baylor was the manager at that time, one of the coaches. And Don took Dex everywhere. And I got to know him then. We stayed in touch. Uh, It was unfortunate that he had some injuries that slowed him down. Uh, The expectations may have been a little higher with regard to what his role was going to be. Uh, He and the manager at that time, Mike Matheny, were not on the same page a lot. Uh, So he had a lot of things moving. But when he was right, he was pretty effective. Uh, I, I think one of the issues, and you touched on it, when you sign a big contract, the expectations become greater. And some people don't live up to that. And he even acknowledged the fact going through depression and, and dealing with that issue along the way. And I thought one of the best things that happened to him was uh, when Mike Schilt took over. Mike Schilt and Dex were on the same page, and we saw flashes of what we had hoped to see. And then the injury bug bit him again. And you know, he he stepped out of the game, tried to make a comeback last year with the Angels, was in Toronto's minor league organization for a bit. But, you know, he got 14 years in, and that's a long time for a big leaguer. So he's vested. He's done well with his money, and, and I wish him nothing but the best. And I hope to see him back in St. Louis in some capacity, whether it's a reunion or maybe the fantasy camp down here in Jupiter. Clips, I'll tell you a Dexter Fowler story that I had with him. He was in the Rockies organization when I was broadcasting for the Rockies AAA team, and he got sent down. And when you get sent down from the big leagues, you're allowed to take 72 hours before you report. And most guys do that. Most guys take uh, a day or two before they report. He got sent down on a Saturday night. Uh, The team that I broadcast for played a Sunday afternoon game. He was there at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning reporting to AAA, and that day in his first game he hit for the cycle. And that's I, that always stood out to me. It said so much to me about him as a guy that he showed up at 8 a.m. the next morning when he could have waited three days. Yeah, you know, he was a pro. Uh, you know, he was an interesting guy in the clubhouse where he didn't have a specific best friend. You know how some guys play their entire career and they got a buddy here and there. He wasn't that guy. He he worked the whole room. Uh, he loved to have fun with players, uh, and he was a guy that could work every corner of the dressing room, and, and that's something that's very unique these days. But uh, he was one of my favorites. I mean, I won't lie. I, I wish it would have been a better situation for him here in St. Louis, but – uh, you know, he he did he gave everything he had, and uh, you know he has nothing to be ashamed about with regard to his career because he will re- be remembered for a story just like you told more than some of the other things that went on in his career. All right, we're less than uh, two weeks out from pitchers and catchers reporting. What's what are you going to be looking for? What are you going to be keeping an eye on between now and that date? Well, just to see how many other guys start to roll in. Uh, as you mentioned, we're getting closer, and uh, I try and swing by there every day and just stick my head in the door and see who's here. And, you know, you, you can start to feel the vibe. And I think a lot of players who were on the team last year, they obviously know there's a lot of unfinished business. The way the, the postseason ended left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. So uh, I'm really anxious to see what guys, you know, have that fire who are ready to go out. And, and it's a long season. I mean, you can do a lot of things in spring training. But I think we all know it's more important to be able to do it in October and early November. So uh, it'll be good to see what guys come in looking the part physically.
Great stuff as always. We'll talk again uh, next week. Looking forward to it. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. This has been Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network.